You're listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up in this hour, more and more details about the Astros, even more than what was known yesterday is coming out. Cody Bellinger, he went in on the Astros. Many players have spoken out about them. Now the Astros are starting to uh, get in their feelings a little bit about all the criticism that's come their way. We will give you some quotes today from Carlos Correa, Astros shortstop, who, man. Woo, ether. It just, it just <laughs> keeps getting worse. Tattoos Dude. are involved. Yeah, bad tattoos are involved. In fact, if you are in the, uh, it's in the somewhere in Florida, the Astros hold their spring training. If you, if you find Jose Altuve rushing to a tattoo parlor now, if you work at a tattoo parlor in yeah. Florida, yes, well, yeah, you probably got some other know, stories too. Right? Absolutely, yeah. the, the, weird job. Zeke's Pizza Hotline is there for you. So <laughs> if you, yeah, if you see any, you know, five foot five Houston Astros coming into your store. Let us know. Let us know. But that's uh, we'll get into that coming up in this hour. Let's get into the big three. Number one. Well, it is probably the uh, biggest story. Baseball is back, baby. And you could say it started with a bang. Yeah, I said it. I made that joke. The Astros having a debacle of a press conference on Thursday to kick off spring training. Owner Jim Crane, he called all of the players there, not just pitchers and catchers because he wanted to have a conference about how to approach this with the media and with the fans. And the press conference itself, rough. There was the pre-prepared statements that sort of just came off as hollow, but then the question and answer, baby, that's where it really started to get exciting. Jim Crane said he didn't think the sign-stealing scheme impacted the outcome of the game. Then 55 seconds later, when asked to clarify... He said he didn't say that it didn't impact the game. Um, Okay, we'll play that sound for you in about 10 minutes. The player statements and clubhouse sound didn't provide people with much satisfaction either. Uh, We heard from a number of players, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Josh Reddick, and then Justin Verlander is actually the one that irked me the most because this guy practically lives on a soapbox. You can't get him off the soapbox when he wants to talk about things that are wrong with the game of baseball, things that are interfering with the purity of the game of baseball, and yet... He was, you know, absent really in his comments and even brought up other teams cheating when he was talking about them. So you don't want to miss that. Then the latest this morning, we still get more gems from this. Ken Rosenthal on The Athletic this morning, a lengthy interview with Carlos Correa. He responded to some of Cody Bellinger's of the Dodgers comments when he said that Jose Altuve robbed Aaron Judge of the 2017 AL MVP award and said that the Astros have been cheating for years. Well, Carlos Correa had some some thoughts to to, to uh, get off his chest about that, said people don't have the facts. He actually said that. So we'll we'll dig into the full quotes from him because I, I don't want to not do them justice here in about 10 minutes, and we'll also play you some of the sound. But all you need to know is that it involves Jose Altuve and a potentially uh, embarrassing tattoo. So stay tuned for that. Number two. Mike should be on. That'll help. All NBA right. All-Star Weekend. I'm so excited about the All-Star Weekend. Yeah. I was just thinking about it. Uh, NBA All-Star Weekend. Getting underway yesterday. We got to see Team USA and the Team World, I think is how you would say it. A world team? Sure. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, they went head-to-head. And uh, Zion Williamson, as if he hasn't stole the headlines recently enough, he steals the headlines again. 
bending the rim, damaging the rim in the Rising Stars Challenge on way to the Team USA victory. Does over... he just bend physics? You know, like breaking like shoes and... You yeah, know? he's going to be a freak for a long time. This world cannot contain him. Exactly. No, it's not built for, for Zion either. <laughs> so, 151-131, uh, so a defensive matchup clearly there in the Rising Stars Challenge. But what was really cool is, and uh, we were talking about this, Lids, before you got in, is... There's so many young stars here in the NBA, Luka Doncic and Trey Young and Zion and RJ and Ja, ja Morant. And it, it's so refreshing to know that in a few years when the LeBrons start to age out and that generation of stars is, start, is leaving the game, the game will be in good hands with some of these young stars who truly are exciting and it's a unique style of play and they love the game and you can just tell how much they love it. So I'm excited to see that skills competition, dunk competition and three point competition tonight with your all-star game team LeBron versus team Giannis tomorrow. Number three, the pack 12, once again, a choosing ground for the rest of the power five conferences in college football. Following Mark D'Antonio's resignation at Michigan state on February 4th, old Sparty, they have settled on their next head coach, Hiring former Colorado headman Mel Tucker. Why is this big news? Tucker spent just one season in Boulder before splitting for East Lansing. Conference has lost Mike Leach this year, Chris Peterson this year. Who knows what Mel Tucker could have been at Colorado, but we'll never know as he only spent just one year there. Now, I don't blame him for taking a much better paying job in a conference with a greater national reach. I blame the powers that exist in the Pac-12 for letting the conference get to a place where they routinely get lapped financially and in popularity in the revenue-generating sports. Larry Scott needs to lose his job right now. He has been a complete detriment to the Pac-12, to every single school in the Pac-12. It is up to Pac-12 fans to put pressure on these university presidents who continue to employ Scott as the head and face of this conference a guy who makes way more money than any conference commissioner out there. Because he's a media executive. God, get him out now. Please. He's ruining this conference. I mean, we saw it a few years ago. Willie Taggart pulled the same move at Oregon. He left for Florida State after just one year to a school that had a bigger footprint in the college football landscape that was had much bigger boosters than Oregon, which is hard to imagine because Phil Knight is the biggest booster in, in America. It just It's the same story after the same story in the Pac-12. They can't hold on to good coaches. They can't hold on because other bigger schools come in there and they just pick it apart, pick it apart. And I'm tired of it. Tired of it. We will talk more about this coming up in the 11 o'clock hour today. But, yeah, it's just, oh, my gosh. I can't get over it. And Colorado now, they're kind of in this weird spot because it's after signing day. And all these kids that have committed to their program under the guise that Tucker was going to be there, now they don't know what they're going to do. And, and it's unfortunate because if you're still operating under the the guise that these are amateurs, right, and these are college students, you're affecting the future of young people. And you really are supposed to be in charge of, of the the success of young people who aren't professionals, quote, quote, yet. Now, I say that that that's changing right now, but that, what to me, makes it even more reprehensible because you're taking away uh, from the futures of, of young people, and they are the ones that suffer when these coaches leave because they are the ones that committed 
and expect some consistency. And now their whole transfer portal process is complicated if they want to leave. So Larry Scott, I'm never, I never feel good about advocating for someone to lose their job, but you've had way too long in that position of power. Give someone else an opportunity to fix this conference. Go get a new job. Yeah, just exactly. Somewhere else. We're that, just, we're let just, them overpay you somewhere else. There you go. Go yeah. be a media executive in, a, in somewhere yeah. else. And what's wild is, and we'll get into this also coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we got presidents of these universities, of the 12 universities in the Pac-12, specifically Michael Crow of ASU, who is like coming to the defense of Larry Scott and saying like the Pac-12 network has be has become you know incredibly successful, and it's like where are you getting this information from? Like it it there are crazy networks out there that have a higher distribution than the Pac-12 network does. It's only in what seventeen million homes in yeah, the country. But uh, you know he's don't worry because he's got some international deals with like I don't know China or South Korea that he. Pac-12 is big in Japan, you can watch, It's really big in Japan. You can watch it outside yeah. of the yeah. U.S., but not you, in it. You go to Tokyo, you can watch, uh, you know, a Cal softball game that, if I mean, most to. people are. Ball by but, a Coug women's soccer game but if all you, day. If you have uh, DirecTV in the United States of America. You're not seeing USC play football. You're, you're not seeing Oregon play football, Washington play football. You're who, not wa- seeing, ugh, who wants to? You're not seeing Arizona play basketball. There was a story a couple of years ago, a man in Wisconsin, this is true, a man in Wisconsin got uh, arrested for hacking the cable of a bar so he could get Pac-12 Network. Wow. Yeah. That's commitment. Like this, The demand is there, clearly, Larry. Serving jail time yeah. to go see his teams. He could have just gone on Reddit and searched yeah, college streams. football streams. Yeah. I'm not recommending you do that, and that's not a thing. But if you were to search that, you may find something. <laughs> you didn't hear it from us. Oh, man. Speaking of shady means of working and go operating, on. the Houston Astros, they... They just can't get out of their own way. We will give you some great sound for us, bad sound for them. That's coming up here, Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. I don't have any regrettable tattoos, which I don't have any tattoos. Which it's good. Then you remain without regrets because a lot of them. I've got one tiny one on my wrist, and I regret it. Mm. Mm. But also, Curtis, now you don't have an excuse built in to yeah. your skin. I know. It could save you from potential, not criminal could, activity, but. It could debunk an entire cheating scandal if yeah. you were to get one. So consider it if you don't have one. I don't have one. Now, why would we be talking about bad tattoos when it comes to the Houston Astros scandal? It seems completely unrelated, right? Right. Mm-hmm. At face value. Go on. <laughs> but today, Carlos Correa, shortstop for Houston, uh, he joined Ken Rosenthal in a yet-to-be-aired interview on MLB Network, but the transcript has been posted on The Athletic uh, of many details that Correa has combed through. Uh, he also takes exception to what Cody Bellinger had to say yesterday about the whole situation that's reigning NL MVP Cody Bellinger. Yep. Uh, 
Should we start with the press conference? Should we start with what happened at spring training? Yeah, let's do that. Chronological order. Let's get the ridiculous sound timeline going. Mm -hmm. And it begins with that press conference on Thursday. And Jim Crane, his prepared statement was kind of hollow, but I thought the question and answer part was really where things got fun, including when he said that he didn't believe the whole sign-stealing debacle affected the game. Listen, the the Yankees have had a few comments out there. Um, You know, our opinion is... Um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. 55 seconds later. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, you know, as the commissioner said in his report, he's not going to go backwards. Um it's hard to determine how it impacted the game, if it impacted the game, and that's where we're going to leave it. Just say impact the game a lot, and that then will, people will get confused. That will never not be funny. I yeah. know. That's one of the great, like, 55 seconds in between those answers, and he completely backtracked. He backtracked harder than George Springer going up against the wall. Oh, it's yeah. the uh, Rick James from Chappelle Show. He's like, <laughs> I never just do things just to do them. Come on, I'm not just going to go in Eddie's house and stomp all over the couch. Yeah, I remember going into Eddie's house and stomping all over the couch. <laughs> uh, then the end of the press conference, thank goodness for Marley Rivera for several reasons, but I love that she didn't let that answer lie, and she went after him at the end of the press conference and basically forced the PR guy to cut it off. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're p- apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter? So doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. What? Whoa. Oh, wow. It, it could possibly, could possibly not. So bless you, Marley, for uh, for going after him. And not, Just going to have to wait and see on this one. I right? mean, he's not wrong, but also not right. And then, okay, so you had the locker room sound. Bregman and Altuve gave sort of their, I think, uh, who was it? Was it Larry Stone that wrote an article in the Seattle Times sort of describing the whole situation? And he said Bregman just sort of looked like Jim Crane's hostage up there, like a hostage video that he was like, and we feel really bad about it, and this won't happen again. Blink twice if you're yeah. being held. Are you safe? Well, yeah. what, a great thing that was pointed out by Brandon Gustafson, who, if you're not following him on Twitter, do so. He writes for our website uh, at com. You can follow him. Let's see here. You can follow him at the B Gustafson. He had a great tweet about Alex Bregman specifically, and he said, Alex Bregman apologized more sincerely for carrying his bat to first base after hitting a home run in last year's World Series than he did for participating in cheating for an entire season. Yeah. Yeah. He said, in quote, I remember that. He was like, that's not how I'm raised to play this game. Over a bat flip that most people agreed was super fun and he shouldn't be apologizing for having fun playing the game of baseball. What you probably should be apologizing for is cheating the game of baseball. And that's the thing, too. If you notice throughout this entire press conference, the locker room sound the days after, not a single player has mentioned the word cheating and i think that is part of their coordinated pr effort even when they are asked to confirm it they will not admit that they cheated they will say that what they did was wrong and they'll refer to it as like sign stealing but they will not say that they cheated and i think that is a coordinated effort so that was thursday yesterday yes (laughs) 
many baseball players had an opportunity to respond. Cody Bellinger, I think, had the most memorable of them all, mm-hmm. uh, where he pulled no punches in how he felt about the Astros. I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us. I know personally I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off. But two, go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense to me. Because I know me. Gary Sanders said yesterday, you can rip my shirt off, my pants off. I said my team the World Series off for all this Chapman in the ninth inning at home. You can do, you know, I'm going crazy. Wow, there is a lot there to take away. <laughs> So, and we want to break this down because now Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic had an in-depth interview with Correa who responded to Cody Bellinger. The drama, let's go. Baseball has been needing some of this. It's like sweeps week for baseball. But he responded to a couple of these different comments and insinuations. The first being that that Altuve stole the 2017 MVP and that they'd been, quote, cheating for years. And I want to read you one of the quotes from the article from Correa responding that specifically. He said, The problem I have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts. They're not informed about the situation, and they just go out there and go on camera and just talk. With me, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right at all. So when Bellinger talks about that we cheated for three years, he either doesn't know how to read, is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. The commissioner's report clearly says that all those activities were conducted in 2017. 2018, nothing happened. 2019, nothing happened. It was just talented players playing the game of baseball with passion and winning ballgames. Heck yeah. Rosenthal points out (laughs) that part of the commissioner's report said that they did cheat in 2018 and points that out to him. And he said, well, well, Code Breaker was only in 2017. So we played played clean. (laughs) I mean, that takes takes, uh, stones. Yeah. It's, I mean, just the brazen disregard for... The facts that are out there <laughs> yeah. is mind-boggling. Like, and it's not just Correa who has acted this way. It is Jim Crane who we heard from in the audio. It's it's the entire Astros organization not being willing to say that we cheated, not being willing to say they're sorry for what they did, and all of a sudden now they're they're always they're trying to play the victim in all of this. Like, oh, how could you be critical of what we did? It's like because you cheated your way to a World Series title and did it again, likely, last year. And luckily, the Nationals were tipped yeah. off by the Dodgers about ways that the Astros go about their sign-stealing. And if you were such a good team, which you keep reiterating, then why did you need to do this in the first place? If you were so great then and just a talented group of guys, then why did you need to do this? I think they feel justified by the fact that other teams, they think in their mind, are just are doing are employing same tactics so that... It's like if you're all speeding on the highway and you're all breaking the speed limit and you're the only one that gets pulled over and you feel, I don't know, it's unfair that you're the one that gets pulled over and put on blast. It doesn't mean you were doing something wrong. 
doesn't mean you were, I mean, doesn't mean you weren't cheating the system. Right. It gets even more interesting, though, because mm. of the Altuve. And this is where the bad tattoos come in. This is ah, where the bad. The payoff. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about, first of all, he says that uh, Jose Altuve actually went into the clubhouse that the few times that the trash can was banged without his consent, and he would go inside the clubhouse and inside the dugout to whoever was banging the trash can, and he would get pissed. He would get mad. He would say, I don't want this. I can't hit like this. Don't you do that to me. He played the game clean. So first of all, he says that Jose Altuve went in there and told those people to stop. Again, if one of the leaders Ooh. on your team is telling those people to stop and they don't, A.J. Hinch smashing two monitors, all these people telling you to stop and you don't, that's that's really interesting. And then when it comes to the not ripping the jersey off, that's when it gets really interesting. And basically saying uh, that it's because he had an unfinished tattoo on his collarbone that honestly looked terrible. It was a bad tattoo, and he didn't want nobody to see it. He didn't want to show it at all. Hmm. Where's the tattoo, Jose? Let's go. Show us I want the tat. I want to see this finished show tattoo. What? Text in seven ten seven ten. What do you think the tattoo is? What is it of? What is it trying to show? Is it words? Is it a picture? We want to know. Give us your wildest Jose Altuve tattoo ideas. One thing that doesn't sit well with me in this whole thing, other than obviously they cheated the game and and, <laughs> and all of that beyond it. But have you noticed that? Every interview has been on the MLB network. Yes. Mm. Not on ESPN. Tom Verducci of AJ Hinge. Yes. MLB network. It feels very like big brothery that they control all the things that they're pulling all these strings. It's in their own network. You you mentioned, you know, the drama during sweeps. Yeah. They, they have this drama. They have all this stuff, but only they have access to it. So it feels like they're just monetizing the cheating of the Astros. And that's just a feeling I get by watching the interviews and all of this access on the MLB network and none on the others. Yeah. Marley Rivera, very direct in her questioning of Jim Crane and the rest of the Astros front office. She works for ESPN. Yep. And I'm guessing the, well, I'm not guessing the Astros obviously know that she's a very well, well-known and well-respected reporter uh, for ESPN, also ESPN Deportes. I mean, she's mm-hmm. multifaceted yes. in that way. She's incredible. If you mm-hmm. don't follow her on Twitter, make sure you do so. Um, but, you know, the Astros, it, it does feel like Major League Baseball is trying to control a lot of the spin on this. And, unfortunately, like, we may never know the full extent of what it is because baseball, because MLB, and I think, what was it, uh, Trevor Bauer this week, he said, like, all content in this game is through – Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Bam. Usually, yeah. Bam tech. But yep. this is to another level where they literally are monetizing their own negligence. Mm-hmm. You are making money off your own failure as an organization. And that feels kind of reprehensible. And not only that, just you look around the world. Manchester City just got banned from the Champions League for two years and fined 30 million pounds or euros. Pardon me, not pounds it, th- for cheating. They, they took away some TVs in the Astros clubhouse. That's it. Like. What are we doing here? What are we doing here, MLB? Fix it. Fix it. Get it right. Get Keep it texting right. in. This, the text line just flooded Let's now. Let's go. Tattoo idea. Yeah, a lot got, of Oscar uh... the Grouch in a trash can. <gasps> a lot of no regrets. Live with no regrets. A lot of things like that. So keep texting them in. What do you think Jose Altuve's bad tattoo is? Yeah, we'll get into some of our favorites from there. But uh, with baseball, getting back, you know, there is – 
storylines outside of the Astros organization, unbelievably. Hope Springs Eternal this time of year, but that may not sit well with some people. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it right now, or coming up here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Dragons, they are getting underway at 2 p.m. Tweeting out pictures of what CenturyLink Field looks like with the Dragons end zones. That orange really pops. I like it. Really like it. Get Uh, some gear. I got to get some gear today. Yeah. I like the hats that they have. Yeah, I'm thinking Uh, hat. I like the ones with the, the script of the team, not just the, the Dragon logo, but it's like Seattle Dragons. On. I think it's I got one look. of those. Yeah, the uh, 87 brand, I think, is the hmm. official. Yeah. And Hat there's some nice ones. Good They're going to have plenty of merch out there if you are there today because they're sold out of a lot of it online. So yeah. it'll I, be there for you. I can't. I just, it's so cool. Look, we got to see this whole process play out. The league start, the team start. This is the first appearance, like, this is our chance to show again another league why we did this with the Sounders, you know, what 10 years ago now that we can be a force to be reckoned with here in the Northwest as fans that we are able to have an impact on the game which sounds ridiculous, right? But just the fans and the atmosphere here in Seattle has an actual impact on this game. And I'm really excited to see if we're going to see that same thing during the Dragons games. Yeah, so I think a lot of people going in with a lot of hope, a lot of expectations for today, and that's that's great. And it also, Mariners season, getting started. And, yeah, we know playoff baseball probably isn't in the future, at least right now here in Seattle, the immediate future, I should say. But maybe it's in 21 or 22, 23, who knows. But, Liddy, on social media this week, you had, a, you know, m- few posts i had some posts taylor you had some posts about you know the start of baseball season it's huge for all of us we love baseball and you know it's okay to get excited over the start of baseball season. it's allowed obama wrote a book the audacity of hope and sometimes (laughs) it feels very real where it is an audacious prospect for people and yet there are those Do we call them fans? Do we call them, I guess, trolls out there that if you express any kind of hope surrounding specifically Mariners baseball, they are quick to have the same tired responses of, as it's known here on this station, same old Mariners, or it's been, what, 43 years, no World Series. Mm -hmm. It's just I was this old or this great or this was popular on the radio the last time they were in the playoffs. That's when I get a lot. But it all started with just a very basic tweet that I had this week, the night before pitchers and catchers report date, which is like my favorite day of the sports calendar. Uh, It's just it feels like Christmas to me because baseball season's starting. All those sounds we mentioned of being out uh, at spring training, the cleats going across the cement, the crack of the bat. It just it signals hope. uh, Hope is eternal. Summer is coming. The dark days are literally over and that right around the corner, we're going to have baseball on our television, on our radio. The sound of Rick Riz will be gracing us all right here on 710 soon. So I just tweeted out baseball is coming and I'm so excited. How are we supposed to sleep? And I did. Oh, Lydia. Yeah. How could you? Yeah, you oh, idiot. my gosh. You idiot. What? People, and I was 
shocked by the amount of people that were lining up on Twitter to hate on me for that and also tell the same tired joke. I must have gotten like 25 responses that just said, well, just put on the Mariners and you'll go right to sleep. Well, hey, just watch some baseball and you'll fall asleep quickly, which, by the way, like, okay, maybe one or two times. That's yeah, you got me. But if you're the 25th person lining up to tell me that joke on Twitter and you've seen 20 other people say it before you, are you really like, you know what? I'm going to get her with this one. It's really important. Got to make this. She won't see this. Right. (laughs) It's like uh, at the county fair, the dunk tank, you get dunked like 50 times and the the. 51st person also dunks you at that point it doesn't even matter no. right like, you're you already still feel, yeah. you know satisfaction out of that i guess some people and all i responded was hey you know i respect your uh, right to be negative i think it's cool respect my right to be positive it takes all types in this world but you know what i can stand at least be original with your negativity don't be a negativity hack okay <laughs> don't get up there and tell the same knock knock joke that like 10 other people have told at least be creative with your negativity that's on the one hand the other hand is why are people so threatened by hope and optimism we've talked about it on this show before but in general is it because they've been hurt so many times in the past because that's another common response well i was in first grade the last time they were in the playoffs yeah we were all 19 years younger, too. We've all been Mariners fans our entire lives. You're not unique in that scenario. So why are people so threatened by the prospect of feeling good or excited about, I don't know, a new season? Not even like we're going to go win the World Series this year, but just even the excitement of watching a game that they like. Yeah, there is a possibility you could see Justice Sheffield take a step this year. There's a possibility you could see Jared Kelnick make his major league debut at some point. And yet, for whatever reason, people just don't want to, I guess, put in the effort that it takes to really you know, be a fan in these hard times. I think a lot of people out there, and I mean, I'm, I, Seattle is a town that supports winners. That is a fact. That is something that is kind of known about the sports culture here in town. If you have a winning ball club, you are going to get fan support, and, and that's how it is. I guess a a black mark on the sports culture here in town is that fan support tends to wane when teams don't win as much. You look at the uh, Seahawks wait list for season tickets. It's what, like 30, 40 years long? It's like 100,000 people deep? Obviously, like, you're – that's ridiculous. Like, that's, yeah. that's a tremendous amount of fan support. And shout-out to Seahawks fans for supporting their team like that. But the Mariners in this stretch – or well, actually, the Seahawks in like the nineties though. Oof, rough. You could yeah. go up to the box office day of game and get a ticket. Oh yeah, their years at Husky Stadium, they were giving away tickets through like gas station promotions. They didn't win a whole lot back then, mm-hmm. so that's just something about this town that you know. Greatest strength, greatest weakness. Yeah, sometimes, exactly. Right, like you do show up and show out when they are good, but in those moments too. Yeah, and one of the problems is with. Look, there's no problem with fans. Fans are allowed to root and cheer the way they want to. But one of the issues is you associate every single year of of a lack of success together. And especially when they're in a row, right? And we're just focusing on the Mariners here. But there are definitely other examples east of the mountains that I can bring up for a whole three hours about talking about this. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think they... They, it's not that they 
know that these teams have the same players or that they're the same exact team, but there's just this association of like, well, it started here and it's here now, and there's this long stretch. It had to have been the exact same thing for 18 straight years, but if you look at it, it how, there's literally five games where if the Mariners win, there are multiple playoff appearances in that stretch for this team. And look, literally five games in a couple seasons, and you're, you have multiple playoff appearances in this stretch and that's the difference right that's the difference that's why you play the game it's the opportunity there are some years you you had higher expectations and they didn't hit them lower expectations they exceeded them and look you're allowed to be upset and i think you should be upset because it's going to keep the front office accountable and working but they are working right now you know what i mean you can't be upset at them working towards something new because that's what you're asking for when you complain and it just seems to me that the martyrdom or the like victimization that happens with fandom is so unique because in life, there's so many things, bad things that happen to people. They happen to them that they had no actual choice in, whether it's just things of circumstance, illness, all those things. And those people, I've heard people that don't even complain as much about those terrible things that happen to them as they do about like being a fan of something people complain so much about which again i get it there's certain instances yeah. of you sh- you're passionate you should keep front offices accountable but also that's a choice you make you choose to be a fan of something at the end of the day it's something that you've done to yourself right and if you want to just follow and be a fan of every team that wins every year you can absolutely do that so right. you will never be disappointed you could just pick the top three teams every year and be like these are my teams and i'm gonna win and i'm not gonna feel upset or like sadness about it. And my only problem is, again, I'm not even trying to shame people for the negativity. It's more about when people feel optimism about feeling threatened about that yep. and trying to bring their entertainment or their enjoyment of the sport down. Because to me, it's just exciting to even have baseball on our screens. That makes me happy. I'm not saying we're like it's the same thing as a participation trophy where people are like, well, unless I get something out of it at the end of it, I can't even enjoy it. But to me, every day I enjoy baseball. You can go down to T-Mobile Park and see a game 81 times in Seattle. In the summer. In the summertime. You know what you can't do is go down 40 times a year and watch the Sonics play. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. That's a great point. And. You have to appreciate the the opportunity to be able to go, and it might not always be the, the the product you want to see on the field. But there are cities and places that would die to have a bad baseball team. Yeah, let alone a mediocre baseball team. Yeah, if you go uh, two and a half hours south, people in Portland they're they would, trying so hard to get even a stadium built to attract right. Montreal, trying yeah. to get one back. Right, those cities would and. Washington before they got the Nationals, yeah. they were they wanted it so bad, and we have it. And let's not let it slip through our fingers and just focus on all this negative. When we have hope and you have things to be excited about, appreciate it. Yeah, things like young players that are really fun and exciting that are not only highly touted prospects, but provide you with some uh, fun quotes and entertainment along the way. Jared Kelnick was on Tom, Jake, and Stacy earlier this week, right? And we've heard about their friendship between. Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez coming up through the system together. I saw at la- last year at spring training, they had switched cleats, just one cleat each, though, just for fun during batting practice and uh, took all of BP wearing one of each other's cleats. I just thought that was funny. But Kelnick, I love this quote. 
this week on his close friendship with Julio. Julio's my guy. I think everybody uh, can see that through social media, but um, really social media doesn't do justice. Um, I actually, two days ago, I was over, his mom was in town, and uh, she made him and I lunch, and like we sat down for like two hours and just talked. Uh, and we hang out every now and then. Um, but, like, Julio's definitely um, in in this organization. He's my ride or die. <laughs> I just love that quote. You always need a ride or die. Absolutely. Something to be excited about this year is watching those young prospects who have a ton of personality come up through the system. And in spring training, you're going to get a little look at them, too. I think I think that's one of the many reasons that you can be excited about where this Mariners organization is headed. Hope springs eternal, folks. Mm. Let it happen. It's let, okay. Let love and hope into your heart. It's, it's okay. okay. To hope. It is Live, crazy. laugh, love more, guys. All right? <laughs> Come on. They don't put it in every kitchen for no reason. That's, that's a fact. If, they, if it wasn't in every kitchen, right. we wouldn't know what to do. Exactly. Coming up next, it is NBA All-Star Weekend. And there are some events that really capture the imagination of sports fans this weekend, specifically from All-Star Weekend. So we're going to get into why those have sort of become marquee events on the sports calendar when they don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. We'll talk about it coming up here at Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. We haven't done this segment in a while, and it's always been a fun one of ours. Asking for a friend. I think so. We have friends. Sometimes we got questions. questions. You know, questions that you might be too embarrassed to ask or that's the thing about the sports world sometimes it's intimidating to admit that you might not be an expert in one area so we'll do it for you we'll put ourselves out there we'll be vulnerable because of course we're asking for a friend not yeah, for ourselves not for us obviously mm-hmm. see, I, know see, I, I know a guy yeah he's he got this question <laughs> that he was trying to get me to ask <laughs> and so i was like all right yeah uh this week I have a friend that really wants to know about NBA All-Star Weekend, particularly I'm just amazed. Well, my friend is amazed by how this weekend sort of transcends sports. It's become such a celebrity-filled, just cultural icon type of event. And I wanted to ask the two resident basketball experts how this has evolved over the years to become, you know, that, that event where... Obama is, uh, was it with Zion? Yeah. Passing out school supplies. And Common and Hannibal Burris and like all these people are there. That's just the day one people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what is it or how has it evolved over the years to to become this kind of event when no other professional sport seems to to get it in this way? Yeah, I, I think it really took off, I would say, probably in the mid 90s where it really just kind of became instead of just an exhibition between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, it became this event. I also think a large part of it had to do with the slam dunk contest. Yes. Which is kind of like one of the ultimate measures of like athletic achievement. First off, everybody wants to dunk. That's that's just universal among sports fans. And not everybody can dunk. And yet you see these guys go out there and just do it effortlessly. And not just effortlessly, but also over people and through the legs, behind the back, and over cars like Blake Griffin did. 
that has become just such a marvel of an event. And yeah, even in dud years, people still will. It'll be appointment viewing. I think Vince Carter's dunk contest in two thousand. That was my point, and that the twenty year anniversary was last week. Yeah, I think that was the dunk contest that took it from this really cool event, which you know you had Jordan and Dominique in the eighties. I think they laid the foundation for what it was, but Vince Carter in 2000, that sent it into a stratosphere that it has not come down from. You guys want to hear a little clip? This oh, is uh, of that, that very uh, contest. Here is Vince Carter with his first shot. The finale on the first round for Vince Carter. Oh, it's over! It's over, ladies and gentlemen! I like they can't say anything else. They're just like. Vince Carter with his first on the final round. Elbow in the rim. Ladies, wait, time out. Can I take a time out? There's certain moments in sports, right, where you're almost just you can't say other words because you're just that really just happened. Yeah. And and still to this day, those dunks are still mind blowing. Like those were so far ahead of what the NBA was at that time. Like if anybody pulled off those dunks in today's contest, they still probably would win. Another dunk contest that really launched it into another stratosphere was just a handful of years ago, Zach Levine from mm-hmm. Bothell and uh, and Aaron Gordon, Bear Down. Uh, <laughs> so Curious. those two guys, they took it to another place that very few of us had ever seen before. Zach Levine doing so many dunks from the free throw line, Aaron Gordon jumping over his team's mascot. I mean, that is the marquee event, I think, of the weekend. I think that one's bigger than the All-Star game, the three-point contest, any of that. And it's hard to replicate. I mean, you have the home run derby in baseball, but it's really in the skills competition in hockey, which took on some interesting twists this year, and they're experimenting with new things. But it's really hard to replicate that that level of – because it combines creativity, it combines elite athletic ability, and then also just – I don't know, this level level of like celebrity and swag. Well, there's a showmanship to exactly. it now. Yes. It's not just the dunks that speak for themselves. You also kind of have to have, I guess, a backstory to your dunk. Mm-hmm. Or there's got to be, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, celebration at the end. Everybody's got to have their hype man out there. Uh, I think in that Zach Levine contest that he beat Aaron Gordon in, Carl Anthony Towns and, and uh, Andrew Wiggins were on the sideline, and they were hyping up Zach Levine the whole time. Um, yeah, it, that is – it's one of my favorite watches on the sports calendar, and, it, you know, it, you just don't get that really anywhere else. You mentioned the home run derby. I think that might be the closest comparison because – Yeah, you get sports, your teammates hyping up. Yeah, and sports that. fans also want to hit home runs. Like, that's something that every sports fan has wanted to do. And, you know, once again, these guys making it look so easy. Vlad Guerrero Jr. last year, I think he had, what, 29 in one round in like a five-minute span. It's absurd. That it, It's so cool. And, yeah, it stinks that the Sonics don't exist anymore here in Seattle, but the NBA All-Star Weekend might be the best All-Star Weekend from start to finish of any game. I think the Major League Baseball All-Star game itself, the game is the best played because – you can't 
really take your foot off the gas pedal in a baseball game. You know, you got to pitch the way you do, or else it's going to look absurd. Whereas from the start to finish, I'm I, I'm most entertained by the NBA All Star. Yeah, and you said the one word I think that that makes it the reason why it is. It's cool. It's honestly cool to be at All Star Weekend. It's, it's a status. Cool. It's it's a status thing. It's it's cool to see the dunk contest and the three point contest. The celebrity game is cool. They do cool things like sneaker releases and exclusive drops in the city where it is. There's cool parties. Celebrities have these huge parties. It always happens to be around Michael Jordan's birthday. So Michael Jordan has a birthday party usually that's pretty big. Like there are all these things that sort of go with it and I'm just I'm curious why other sports haven't tried to emulate that because football is bigger in this country and has more fans. And probably has the worst oh of all professional sports. Undoubtedly. Right. Yeah. The Pro Bowl week isn't cool. I mean, it's starting. It's Trying getting better. To, like, yes. hey, we're going to play dodgeball. We're going to do some of these skills competitions. We're right. going to mix it up a little bit. And I think that's thinking the right way and working towards a goal. But even hockey. Hockey's starting to get cooler and they're all star. And with mm-hmm. their skills competition, to lean into some of these things, these fan experiences. The MLB Futures game is one of my favorite things. Because yes. they experiment with different things on the broadcast. They do, like, in-game interviews. You see some of these young players who are the next generation of exhibiting emotion and personality and having fun so inject cool into whatever it is you're trying to cooler. do make it cool like come out with some sneakers work with nike and adidas and reebok and have them do exclusive drops during your weekend like there are so many brands and things willing to do these things to make it cooler incorporate that in and bring them in and help make it a weekend an event a status thing like nba all-star weekend because Right now, I still want to go to an NBA All-Star weekend and experience yeah, it firsthand. I think that's on my sports bucket list. And there's not a lot of like weeks or weekends where I'm like, man, I want to do blank week. Like, Curtis, you just came from Super Bowl Media Week. Yeah, and still telling I was going to say, you're, you're still tired. So, like, <laughs> there's a lot of those things that exist in sports, but not a lot that exist like NBA All-Star Weekend. Well, thank you to my, fr- yeah, my did, friend. Did we yes. answer that well We'll be very happy with this. All right. Hope she, thank you. Hope he or she was listening. Yeah. yeah. Coming up, we got uh, Oliver Luck, XFL commissioner, coming your way at 1130. He will join us live here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Before that, it is a huge day in the city of Seattle for the XFL. The Dragons with their home opener taking on Tampa Bay. We will tell you what to watch for in the home opener coming up at 2 p.m. today on Fox. We get going with what we want to see next here on Seattle Sports Saturday.